Tonight on the GameCritics.com podcast, what we've been playing, we're going to discuss is the new sniper game too violent and thumbs up, thumbs down, all coming up next on the GameCritics.com podcast, which is starting right now. Welcome to the GameCritics.com podcast, episode 77. That's 2-7, so it's extra lucky. I'm Dylan Collins, and with me is our fearless leader, Chi Kong Lu. Hey, how's it going, Dylan? Uh, hey, hey. I am good. How are you? Good, good. Good. Um, senior editor of GameCritics.com, Brad Galloway. Hey, everybody. Hello. Mike Bracken, the horror geek, is here. Good evening. Good evening. And the Richard Nyack. Buenos noches. You're just not doing it now because you know we want it. Uh, sure. Okay. At least you're honest. <laughs> uh, what can I talk about? What we've been playing, we've got a email somebody sent in we're going to discuss as well. And we're going to do thumbs up, thumbs down, so it's going to be a good show. I guess we'll start off with what we've been playing. Brad, I know you have been playing a lot this week. You know, I have, although it feels like I haven't really been playing all that much. Um, I think <laughs> I think the difficulty lies in, in the quality of what I've been playing. I haven't been enjoying it, mm-hmm. and so even though I've been pouring a lot of time into it, it feels like it's been a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the first thing I, I wanted to talk about was Metro 2033. Um, a while ago, I decided to um, try to chip down my backlog. My backlog is, like, ridiculous. I posted a list of what I had in my backlog on my blog a while ago, and it was, like... Brave man. Like... Yeah, I mean, it was seeing it in black and white was like ludicrous. I was almost embarrassed to post it, but I thought, you know, I've got so much shit in my backlog. I need to play some of this stuff. And Metro 2033 was one of the ones that I had heard a lot of critical buzz about, and so I thought, well, I'll give it a shot, uh, and we'll see what happens. So, for those who don't know, Metro 2033 is based off of, I guess, a really super popular series of books in Russia. Um, and what it's about is, uh, I guess it's the nuclear war happens, it's post-apocalyptic, and people survive by going down into the subway system, the metro system. And so all these books are based about, you know, life in the, in the tunnels, you know, what it's like fighting off mutants and looking for fresh water and, you know, falling in love by gaslight or this something already like sounds that. awesome. It, it does sound kind of awesome, doesn't it? it? Does. Like, it seems kind of cool. I'm a big fan of post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. and so I was like, yeah, okay, this is pretty sweet, I'll give this a shot. And I, I started up, and I got to say, the first maybe two or three hours, I thought were pretty great. Like, I thought they were fantastic. Uh, the game starts off uh, really well for me. Uh, really heavy atmosphere. Like, you feel dirty, and, like, the people in the tunnels are kind of, like, malnourished and diseased, and there's rats all over the place. And, like, you look around, and as the game kind of leads you in a structured way through these beginning environments, like, you really get a great feel for the metro tunnels. Like, you feel like you're there. And so I, that was a big thumbs up for me. Also, it sounds oh, like I'm an sorry. underground Bioshock. Does that sound kind of right? There are a lot of. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it sounds like that's what they're going for, right? Def, I think there's a lot of parallels to Bioshock, to be honest with you. Not not in terms of how complex the uh, combat is. I mean, there's no you know level up tree and, and mods or anything like that. But I think I think the mood and the tone for what they're going for was was pretty similar, honestly. Um, 
so that was that was the atmosphere was great. The other thing I really liked about the beginning was the pacing. The pacing was very slow and deliberate, and that was great. Like I don't need a bunch of guns and explosions and killing right off the bat. Like I don't mind easing into a game as long as it's quality, and you know going around and talking to a few people and going through these other tunnels and seeing just how life was was fabulous. And then when you finally do get to a gunfight, like it really felt like important and big. Like I can clearly remember the very first gunfight that I got to were these bandits in a tunnel and you had to kind of stealth your way around behind them. I mean, you didn't have to, but I chose to. And they were like at a campfire. And so I was being really sneaky and I snuck around. And when I finally popped out and let a couple of them have it, like they were looking the wrong way because they thought I was in front of them instead of behind them. And so it was kind of like chaos for a second and it all just kind of went down. And I thought, man, that was a really like cool encounter. Like it really felt like this big serious thing where it wasn't just like, you know, randomly popping dudes in the head and moving on. It felt like, like it was like important, you know? So that was great. Um, unfortunately, like after that point, like everything just like completely goes in the toilet and starts swirling downhill. It's just, it gets, it, it gets awful. Um, the biggest thing for me is that the story is bad. It's terrible. And you would think that would not be the case because it's based off of this like best-selling novel. And I assume that the author must have, you know, at some point taken a look at the game and, you know, given his approval or something, but the story just never comes together. I mean, there's a lot of like mystical metaphysical things that pop up which i thought was a little bit weird considering how grounded most of the game is and then uh you're, you're on this quest to get to this place but then as you're on your quest all this other random stuff happens and it just eventually to me felt like a bunch of scenes that were strung together but they didn't really have any coherence i mean at one point you're uh you're in the station that's taken over by nazis and so you got to get through that part that's a really uh stealth heavy part and the stealth isn't really pulled off that well uh, this other part, you're in like this giant library, and you're supposed to look for this one book, and there's like all these mutant apes that are inside of it. Now are these? And it's just like this, I'm sorry, are these optional side quests, or is this? No, fun? no, no. This is all the main quest. There's no, no side quests. Very no linear. Yeah, it's extremely linear, and that's not a knock. I mean, I think linear can be done really well if it's done well, and it's not really done well here. So. <laughs> You know, by the time I get to the end, it's like I'm just I'm fucking ready for this game to be over. I mean, honestly, it, it took me about 10 or 12 hours total, and it felt like a five-hour game that was stuck full of like an extra five hours worth of filler. You know, there's too much shooting at the end. The story never comes together, and then when you finally get to the very end, it was like, why does this matter to me? What is why is this important? It didn't mean anything. And by the time credits rolled, I was like, dude, fuck this, fuck this. Um. <laughs> I will say though, I will say though that I appreciated the effort. I think there's a lot of potential there. There's a um, a sequel coming later this year called Last Light, which you know I I honestly would be okay to give it another shot if they fixed what I didn't like about it. Um, and one of the most interesting things that I haven't mentioned is that there's actually um, a karma system in the game, but it's totally hidden. Like you don't know anything about the karma system at all unless you FAQ it. Like even when you beat the game, it doesn't tell you anything about it. But there's all these situations in the game where somebody will come up and ask you for some money and it's like, do you give it to him? Yes or no. But there's no, there's no indicator. There's mm-hmm. no bubble that pops up to say, Hey, you earned plus one good karma. Like there's nothing. You just go through and do it. And like another part, you're supposed to rescue these people and you don't even really know they're there. But if you go out of your way and rescue them, you get like a bunch of really good karma. If you let them stay where they are, then you, you get the bad karma. But there's, there's no red glow, blue glow. There's no, angel uh halo or devil horns nothing you just you just do it does it have an effect think, at all on the end of the game or anything it does okay. it does and that's where it comes in there's there's two endings uh, a good ending and a bad ending and like 99.99999% of people who play this are going to get the bad ending first mm-hmm. 
because it's really difficult to find those good karma situations. But it, it sucks because even though I think that's a good system, when you get to the end, it doesn't make sense because I don't want to spoil anything, but like the end doesn't match what I've been doing. Like I've been trying to play as a really good person and there's obviously like a choice to be made, but if you get the bad ending, it doesn't even let you make the choice. And so I could tell like this was something that I should have done, but I couldn't do it. And I just, I was like, ah, just, you know, I, it just sucked. It left a really bitter taste in my mouth. I didn't like it. There's no way in hell I was going to go back and play that game twice to get the good ending. So of course, you know, I YouTubed it really quickly and saw what happened. Mike, oh, and then I sorry, yeah, done. Wash my hands of the whole thing. So you also played this, Mike, correct? Yeah, I played this like a year ago when everybody was like all gushing over it that this was it was this amazing first-person shooter that everyone needed to play, and so I picked it up and played it, and I made it. I don't know. I think I made it about five hours in before I just totally quit, and it just was not for me. I I, I agree with Brad. I think the the game the parts i played anyway have some really good atmosphere and it's you know it's linear but it wasn't ever a problem and there were little things like i I know exactly the scene you're talking about where you could sneak around the guys at the campfire or you could just go in and shoot them head on so they're you know it's linear but there are little things you can do that are sort of you know not etched not like constantly etched in stone you can only do this one way type thing there there's player choice in the game for me though i just you know it just never clicked. It, it was like the shooting was kind of, and and this was supposed to be realistic, and so it kind of felt a little clunky to me, I guess, after playing so many unrealistic shooters. But I just I found shooting guys wasn't very satisfying. The the weapons didn't really engage me in any meaningful way, and and just the whole thing was just sort of heavy and ponderous, and you know I I it, it I see why people like it. But it just for me, it just never clicked. I, I was just really bored by the experience. And, and for me not to finish something, I mean, you know, I really have to not like it not to finish. And I, I didn't see the end of the game. So speaking of you finishing something, and I know Brad has some iOS titles he wants to talk about. And we'll get back to him in just a second. But I have to ask if you finished Demon Souls. Ah, I did. I did indeed. I, I finished. I finished Demon Souls and immediately started a new game plus. Mm. And uh, I I am playing my new game plus, except that now I'm pissed off and might not finish because I had decided I was going to platinum this game. It was going to be my first ever platinum trophy on on PlayStation. Wow. All I gotta say to that is wow. This is the one you yeah. chose. To, your first this time. is the one I chose to platinum, and I'm I'm over halfway to the platinum. Uh, the problem is, is I was going through my second playthrough. And I was going through to get all White World Tendency to do all the White World Tendency stuff. And so I've gone through everything, and I went back to World 5, my favorite, the Valley of Defilement, uh, to do the White World stuff there. And I went, and you can fight, in White World Tendency, you can fight Garland Vinland's Black Phantom form. And I'm like, soul level 152, and this guy is just kicking my ass. So I get pissed off and and stop playing, and I come back to it last night because I'm like, you know what? I'm I know how to beat this guy. I can because he's a phantom now. I can just poison him. I don't I don't have to fight him. I can just poison him over and over and let him die, which is a cheap way to kill him. But you know I'm pissed. I'm tired of fucking dying on this guy. Right. Uh, because you know like I would get him down. I like I fought him like six times and I had him down to like ten percent health or less every time and then he gets one lucky hit in and one shots me. it's like an old so, school nes frustrating boss battle yeah he is so 
so I go back. I'm like, I'm just going to poison this guy, and then I will do the next thing, and then I will go get all Black World tendency and you know do all those things, and I will get those achievements. And I was like, the only achievements that are going to be hard to get are the best weapon from Moonstone and Dark Moonstone, because I've played through and I still haven't gotten a pure moon, Moonstone or a pure Dark Moonstone, so I can't complete those achievements. Uh, but so I go back to kill this guy, and now he's not there. <laughs> the Phantom is gone. And so somebody says to me, oh, yeah, well, you know, the overall world tendency changes sometimes as people play. Bitch, and I'm like, right? yeah. that's bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now I'm like, apparently I will have to play through another time to get him in pure white because he's not there. Or I will have to sit around and hope Atlas says, hey, we're doing a pure white weekend or something like that. So I can do that, which is really annoying because I was like, I was going to finish a bunch of stuff in this playthrough, and then I was still going to have to do another playthrough because I can't finish everything this time because I screwed up. Uh, I need some more stones and stuff, you know. You only get one soul, and you can spend them multiple places. But, you know, I wanted to have all that shit done this time, and I'm not going to get it. So, like, now I'm like, oh, man, I really want this platinum, but now I don't know if I'm going to actually get it or not. But I have I, I have gotten, like, 60% of the trophies so far. So. Wow, that's impressive. Let me ask you real quick, though, dude. So you're you're online connected when you're playing, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some people say that you should unplug if you're going for specific things because like yeah. that random world will shift you. But uh, the other question, or the other thing I was going to ask was, are you getting like how's the invasion level? Are you getting invaded all the time, or do you notice you know you help other people, or no. how's that aspect of it going for you? I, I have only been invaded like three times. Uh, and you know what happens? This is really funny, but like sometimes I'll be playing and I forget that you're online. And so like I'll just stop playing in a safe spot to go like get a drink or go to the bathroom or make a sandwich or something. And that's inevitably when I get invaded. <laughs> Anytime I walk away from this game is when somebody invades and I come back and there's my corpse, you know. <laughs> you're, you're back at the thing and all your souls are gone and, and it's like really annoying now a guy did come in the other night who had a bunch of shit and I was in uh, I was in the area what is it uh, Stonefang there and you go back and you go past this guy and there's a bunch of hallways and shit and I was back in there when he came in and I hid in one of the rooms and as soon as he came by, I backstabbed the hell out of him. And it's totally awesome. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I do like that. It's weird, though, because, like, sometimes you're in the mood for somebody to invade you. And other times you're like, dude, I don't want to be invaded. Just leave me alone. I'm trying to I'm trying to get these achievements, you know? So, I haven't invaded anyone else. And I, I still need to do the thing to get the uh, – where you play as the boss and the uh, – third level is the monk so you get the head wrap i haven't gotten that yet so i still need to do that but but i you know i've been grinding like hell i'm up to like soul level 152 or 154 or something so you know but if the game's still challenging even at that level it's really quite the game i'm quite taken with it so i'm hoping dark souls is at least sort of as good well, that's that's an entirely different topic for an entirely different yes. show. That's like a that's like a two hour conversation there, man. The, the more I hear about it, the more I want to play. It. At least you beat it. You can say you've beaten it. That's important, I think. Yes. yes, I have. I have beat it, and I'm really, you know, if I if I don't stop to do this white world event, I've done all the other pure white world events, but 
you know, I, I could beat it again tonight. I mean, I've just got to go through and beat the boss in 1-3 and then do the end at 1-4 and finish. Then I could start another game, but, you know, I was trying to do all this stuff. Well, Godspeed on getting your platinum, sir. <clears throat> Thank you. I'll, I'll keep working at it, I think. Richard, have you? what have you been playing lately? Um, I've actually been playing a, a couple of games that were also in my, in my backlog. I, deci- I decided to just... You know, since we're in sort of like the the pre-holiday post mm-hmm. E3 lull, to just you know go back and uh, get some stuff that was in my backlog, and uh, by backlog I mean stuff that came out earlier this year that I didn't play. But um, the first game was uh, Xenoblade, and the reason I started playing that is because I started playing another game that was also in my backlog, which is called Lost Odyssey. I've had a copy of that game for a really long time now, and in a couple of ways, it's actually the only reason I still have my 360 is because I actually wanted to play that, but I never got around to it. Mm-hmm. And I started playing it, and I just it just did everything it possibly could to turn me off. I hated all the characters that I saw. It, the map was confusing. It's just, it had no it. It was just all this ridiculous JRPG baggage that I just have no tolerance for anymore. And I just I mean I I spent three hours with that game, and I just I took it out of my 360 and put it back in the cabinet. Wow. So. We, st- we like Lost Odyssey. <laughs> we? Brad and I both like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I get, saying... I get what Richard's saying, though. Like, I actually I'm... had a partial conversation with him the other day, and I, I kind of feel where he's coming from. I, I don't, uh, I don't I think don't he's like wrong for not liking it. But, yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, it's like I'm not ready to pronounce any sort of critical opinion on it, obviously, but I just don't care enough to pronounce an informed critical opinion on it because it did so much to turn me off in those first, like – first three hours so then i is there is there a jrpg that you do like richard i don't uh, recall oh yeah oh yeah i like uh chrono trigger i like uh a lot some of the old final fantasies uh there was super mario rpg which i which i talked about i've never been a huge super mario rpg that kind of doesn't count and you played chrono trigger fairly recently and that was why doesn't that why doesn't that count well it's it's not it's not a traditional jrpg is what i mean it's It's kind of different how is it I don't. Okay, I don't understand how I mean, it's it doesn't. But... It doesn't. I mean, it, it's it. It is an RPG, but it's not your, you know, emo angst hero oh, boy that, that type. Yeah. Of... It's 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 Square Enix filtered through Nintendo. Right. right, right. Okay. So in that in that respect, yeah. But um, I've never been a huge JRPG player. I've never really strayed very far from like the the Square Enix line. Uh, but I mean, yeah. There's a few that I like. So I've been wanting to play. Xenoblade for a while now, and I've actually had it for a few months. I just haven't haven't gotten around to playing it, and I actually really like this game so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in, I think I'm about five or six hours in, which I know I think the game is like eighty hours to finish it or something like that. But uh, it, it, this world is endearing to me. I'm enjoying the characters that I've met so far. The mechanics of this game are very smooth. It's does not have that weird JRPG stuff like random battles or save points or any of that crap that I just can't put up with anymore. So that's good. So, I mean, it, it's something, I mean, it's something that's, I, this is what I was in the mood for. So I'm in, I'm enjoying it very much. Um, the second game that I started playing was a uh, binary domain, which uh, I bought in the, the steam sale. And I actually like this game quite a bit as well. It's a very, sophisticated offshoot of uh, Gears of War in a lot of ways. Um, the, the shooting feels 
much more satisfying than in Gears of War, at least. I mean, I've only played Gears of War 2, but I mean, it feels more satisfying than in, uh, in Gears of War 2. And like I said, I'm still early in, in both of these games, but it feels like there's an actual story here, like an actual sci-fi story. So, I mean, that's it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. And uh, it's another game where like the High Tech Robotics Corporation is based in Detroit. <laughs> and I don't know why all High Tech Robotics Corporations are all based in Detroit in the future. But anyway, that's that's what I've got to throw thinking. Detroit a bone, man. They're suffering. <laughs> yeah, I guess, those, I guess those robots that made cars get more mm-hmm. sophisticated. Rise up. <laughs> yeah. Skynet goes yeah. online and and GM takes over the world. It's all coming together. So that's uh, you said Xenoblade. Yeah. Xenoblade and uh, Binary Domain. And you you would recommend both of those? Uh, based on the five or six hours or so I put into them. Yes. All right. Um, we recommend both of those as well. The, I, you, you both would recommend them. Yeah, I know Brad would recommend binary do, binary domain as well. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic game. That's that that game. I'm actually glad you brought that up, Richard, because I think that one deserved way more love than it got. It did. Yeah, it got it like twenty thousand copies or something ridiculous. Something incredibly shameful. Like people out there should have bought this game, and it was it sucked because a lot of critics who like liked it. They're like, yeah, it's pretty good, whatever. Like nobody really like got behind it. Nobody really wanted to talk about it. And I thought it was great. Like I thought the shooting was great. Killing the robots was like super satisfying. Like the story was great. Uh, they incorporated actual like kind of RPG party members into the shooting. Like I thought that game kicked ass. I totally agree with you, Richard. That's a really good game, and you, Mike, as well. It's it's I love Binary Domain. It it is available for forty bucks on Steam. So if you're wanting uh and I guess you could find a used copy. It's you can like find it on the consoles cheaper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For like twenty bucks or something. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. One th- one thing I do want to point out is the PC version seems like it could have used a little bit more specialization for the PC's controls, especially on the menus, because it's it, it's really strange the way you navigate through menus. Like you move the mouse and it's as if you're moving like the D-pad on the controller. If that makes any sense, there's like no cursor for you to like just point and click oh, on wow. stuff, which is. I want to like when I have a mouse, I want to point and click on things, mm-hmm. and if I don't, that makes me angry. But I'll just say that if you if you want to buy two games that were critically loved and totally ignored by the masses for cheap, you buy Binary Domain and you buy Near, and then you've got two yeah, awesome games go. for like thirty five bucks total. Maybe maybe yep. this is maybe this is our next show, a cr- criminally ignored game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So high price for Binary Domain. Uh, Chi, what have you been playing lately? Sure, I haven't had a lot of time lately. It's been an unusual amount of disasters here in the New York area, and that keeps me busy at the Red Cross. But uh, whatever spare time I, I have had, I've kept devoting it to Pokemon Conquest. Uh, it's a turn-based strategy RPG, and it's you know based around Romance of the Three Kingdoms meets Pokemon. Really? <laughs> yeah, I guess in... I, have, I don't keep up with I Pokemon. I don't either. This is fascinating to me. I this sounds, this sounds like it. something I might actually <laughs> too. Play. It's actually quite awesome. I mean, on it's got a few quirks to it. I mean, on 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 paper, the idea of like sort of feudal warlords fighting over a uh, an area called um in what's the the region in Pokemon World? I can't I forget what the overall, but it's it's called Ranse, I think. And um, 
and the and you know which sort of just sort of looks like Japan. Or it doesn't look like Japan, but you know it's again the whole feudal warlord aspect of it. And and of course each warlord is armed with a Pokemon. And what was disappointing at first was that <laughs> I'm sorry, I just listen to that sentence. Yeah, I know. Warlord was this armed with a Pokemon. I'm, I'm just trying not to crack up over here. <laughs> But you know what? So a lot of times these crazy ideas work, yeah. and for the most part, this one does work. Uh, one thing that I had to get over was the fact that I, you know I love Romance of the Three Kingdoms because I love the idea of just you know commanding these armies of you know tens of thousands of soldiers, and I, you know I thought there was going to be some element of that where you know there was going to be a, you know hordes of and armies of soldiers, but unfortunately not. I mean, when they talk about a war, it's basically six on six. You know, the, each war, you know. Uh, each warlord with their Pokemon versus, you know, the other six, you know, so it's not that complex at the end of the day, but, you know, it is a turn-based strategy game. And, you know, as far as like, um, people wanting a deeper experience with their JRPGs, you know, the, you know, the turn-based strategy is usually the way to go and it's no different here, you know? So, uh, and, and, and you know, when you fuse it with the poke, you know, with all the Pokemon strategy, it, it all works out really great. You know, each Pokemon only has one attack and, you know, they have different patterns and different uh, moves and, you know, uh, quirks to each move that you have to kind of figure out and, you know, in time and work, you know, how complement each of the, your, 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 your squad in essence. It's really, like I said, more like a squad as opposed to like an army versus an army. So is the actual fighting, is it similar to Pokemon fighting or is it different? No, it's more like, you know, the not Suikoden, more like the Vandal Hearts and the, uh, you know, what's the um, the square one? Uh, tactics. Final Fantasy Tactics. Or yeah, Final Fantasy okay. Tactics. Duh, yeah, <laughs> yeah more, more along those lines, you know, except for you're using Pokemon. But the, other, but the other aspects of the Pokemon that do come through that make it also more interesting is that the Pokemons do evolve after, you know, a certain amount of battles and a certain amount of nurturing and that sort of thing. And that's where that's where the best that's where it's really different from the Pokemon experience. It brings in that whole romance of Three Kingdoms element where, you know, you're you're sort of um you know this overarching warlord and you have to recruit you know recruit other warlords into your camp, and 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 then like I said, evolve other the Pokemon as you go along. It, it's a little bit more like Romance of the Three Kingdoms light in that you don't have to like sort of you know woo them over a favor. You basically just have to beat them in a battle in a, in a certain way, and then they'll be willing you know to join your your camp. Are there but, um, are there a large yeah. number of Pokemon in the game? There are. I mean, I don't know if it's quite the whole thing, but it, it certainly feels like more or less the whole thing. I mean, all the recent ones that have been you know in all the rounds and more more or less all the classic ones as well as the legendary ones are all there. Huh. So um. And to top it off, the, the character, the anime character designs are some of the best I've seen in a really long time, which is kind of weird because, you know, you, you figure, you know, anime designs are pretty tired and hard to, you know, good ones are hard to come by, you know, these days. But for some reason, they just really, you know, the the cute girls are cute, the, you know, sexy girls are sexy, and, you know, the the dark brooding types are, are you know, exactly kind of like how you would envision them. It's just really well done. I'm really surprised, you know. They just feel and they just feel like they have a lot of life and personality, good artwork to it, you know. So, yeah, overall, and, and then there's a lot of content as well because you, you sort of once you beat the the main sort of first quest, it opens up like all these other scenarios, and it, it's going to take me a really long time to beat. So, and it's been keeping me busy. I'm getting. I, I don't know if I'll. I don't know if it's one of those games that I'll sort of get bored of it before I finish it, and maybe not finish it. But right now, it's still keeping me busy. And this is for 3DS. It's actually for just the DS, but okay. I'm playing it on my 3DS, yeah. It sounds cool. It sounds like it might be worth looking at. I like that. Yeah. 
Um, uh, uh, Brad, sorry. You have been playing a bunch of iOS games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in addition to Metro 2033, which we mentioned at the top of the show, um, just a quick shout-out to a couple games I've been playing and enjoying recently. So these are all good ones. Okay. Um, Rune Raiders is one I just started a couple days ago, and I just it like instantly hooked me. Um, and just, just stepping back from this for a second, got to say, as someone who was really leery of the iPhone and, and the App Store and all that stuff before I got a phone, i got to say, it really is... There's a lot of really good games on the iPhone. It's They're not all crap like I kind of thought they would be. And, I mean, there's plenty of crap. There's tons of crap. There's mountains of crap. But, like, there's lots of really good games. And I'm, I've just been really pleasantly surprised when I find something that really is designed well for the touchscreen and is great for pickup and play. There's a lot of really good stuff. I can easily see why so many parents are choosing to go, like, iPhone rather than get, like, the PSP or the, the Vita or the DS or something. I mean... That's a topic for the show, but I just got to say, like in general, I've been really satisfied with a lot of the games I've found on on iOS so far. I think um, so. Also, anyway, just to jump add to that, Brad, I think yeah. you jumped on at pretty at a, at a good time. You know, I think you know, even when like the the original Infinity Blade came out, you know, which was supposed to be heralded as like the you know the next generation of iOS gaming, that I think was still a little behind. You know, like that wasn't still quite up to par with me. And then like. Then the, the you know the games after that like even a year after that I thought I think really there's sort of a marked difference in my mind. That could be. I mean, like you said, I, I came to the iPhone relatively late in its in its uh, cycle, so I'm pretty new. I'm playing a lot of games that people said, oh yeah, I played that like a year ago, and I'm still you know I'm, I'm picking I'm cherry picking the best of the best basically, which is you know the benefit of coming to a console like late in it or you know a phone I guess late in its life. But yeah, I've just been playing like good game after good game after good game after good game, and I'm just I'm really happy with it. I mean, I, I definitely take it with me everywhere I go. And I haven't touched my Vita, like, literally, like, since two weeks after I bought it. And I'm kind of, like, looking at the Vita going, dude, I could have bought 250 iPhone games with that thing. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway, anyway, anyway. So, enough of that. But, um, so the first one I want to give a shout-out to really quickly is Rune Raiders. Um, this is a game, it's, it's really hard to describe. And actually, that's kind of true of a lot of iPhone games. I find it really hard to describe them because... There's kind of this own little subculture going, and you can compare them to other iPhone games, but to compare them to something like else is a little difficult. But anyway, Rune Raiders is kind of like uh, a strategy RPG, but it's, it plays in almost real time. And what you do is you have these tiles, uh, and each tile represents a different class of character. There's like a ninja, there's like a, a warrior, there's a healer, and so forth, like usual fantasy tropes. And so you pick and choose uh, from this the pool of them, and then you assemble them in certain formations on this board, and the board scrolls. So it's almost like if you're looking top-down on a group of people walking, that's kind of what it plays out like. And these other um, enemies come down at you from the top, and you have to like rearrange your party in different formations to kind of effectively deal with the enemies. Like, you know, the dragons can shoot fire in like three directions, and so you want to kind of go around to the side, or like the minotaurs will kill anybody instantly if you're directly under them, so you got to you know, get behind or flank them and that kind of thing. So it's really simple and you can learn it in like a minute, but I've been really happy with it. I mean, it's really clean, simple graphics. It's quick to play. It it, it doesn't quite feel like anything else I've played in a while. So I'm really liking Rune Raiders quite a bit. Um, the second one I want to give a shout out to is uh, Zombie HQ. Uh, this one is actually by Rebellion and they've done a couple other um, games for consoles and one of which we are about to talk about in uh, just a few minutes but zombie hq is uh you're you're it's a third person top down 
you play like a survivor of the zombie apocalypse. You've got this hideout on top of a roof and people radio to you and say, hey, man, we need help to do X, Y, Z. Like we need to save these survivors over on this block or we need to patch up the barricades over on this block. So you pick and choose your missions. You go down and it's just look, you know, like a kind of looks like a running gun type of thing. And you just blow away zombies and collect money and level up your equipment and save survivors. And that's pretty much it. Like, it's simple, but it's really well done for the iPhone. It controls really well because there's an auto-aim function, which really works great. Like, I don't have a problem with that at all. And if you like playing dress-up with your character, there's a fairly good amount of stuff to, to buy and pick and choose. So it's, it's great to pick up and go. And, you know, you can jump in, kill a few zombies, jump out. You don't feel like you miss anything. It's, it's really good. Um, there's only a couple downsides. Uh, one of the downsides is that it's one of those games where, and this this blows me away. Like the, the the fact that this exists on iPhone blows me away. But like it's one of those games where they assume that their game is so good that you're gonna want to pay money if they want you to if they if you don't want to wait to play it. So you can play a certain amount, and then once you play, the game forces you to wait. And so you can either wait, it, like most of the time oh, it's wow. like a real time, like 15 minutes, or you can say, oh, I'm gonna pay this money and just keep playing. So it's, it seems to be like a little arrogant on the part of the developers, but they are certainly not the only ones who are guilty of this. I mean, I think Tiny Tower was probably the first one. I that sounds anti- like the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> it is. It it's like awful. a Facebook it's game. It's so awful. It, it's, what's, what's that? It sounds like a Facebook game. I think there's there's elements of that to it, but it's it's kind of like the thing where, yeah, it's like, you know, you play, I use up all my points, uh, but I want to play some more, so here's a buck. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, I, I haven't put a, a cent into this game at right. all. It's free to play. But you can buy, you know, unlocks and stuff like that. But it's really frustrating because the game has two different currencies. There's green currency and then there's, like, gold currency. You can earn both of it in the missions, but the gold is, like, way harder to come by. And, of course, like, all the best equipment is gold. So if you don't want to grind for, like, 50 years, then, you know, you're going to be tempted to, like, put a couple bucks in, real bucks, Mm -hmm. to, you know, get some more gold to unlock some of the stuff. I'm not down with that. And honestly... If they had stripped out like all the bullshit about the waiting and the two different currencies, like this would be like a great game. I would be happy to pay like you know two, three, four, five bucks for this just as a straight up purchase, right. and just play. Like this, would, it's it's fun enough and it's solid enough to play. So, kind of disappointing, but still a recommend for sure. Um, so let me let me ask you. So you yeah, had yeah. To, you had to buy this game. You paid no, it for was it. Free. I okay, think it was free. free. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, if I pay money for a game and then they want me to pay to continue to play it. That's crazy. Talk. I'm always interested on how much they're making as opposed to if they had just charged five dollars or something, if they'd be making more. That stuff always fascinates me. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question yeah. because, I mean, like I said, I haven't put a single dollar right. into this because, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but for me, it's like if I if I get one of these games that costs like ninety nine cents or something, and then some of the content is locked, you know, that you either have to buy or you can just pay to avoid the grinding. If the, if what you get off the bat is good, like if I feel like this is a really good game, I feel like I got a pretty decent amount of content. If I feel like respected as a player, mm-hmm. I'm way more inclined to give them an extra couple bucks yeah. to keep the game going. Yeah, yeah. But if it's one of these things where it's like everything's behind a paywall right from the get-go, I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm not paying you anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like you, Brad. I Even if the game is free, I have yet to put in a single dollar on any game that requires me to sort of put in <laughs> money to get like an upgrade or something. It's just something, it's just something that bothers me. It seems me. underhanded. It. Yeah. It's, 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 and you know, Dylan, you talked, you brought up last week about how 
last show rather about you know League of Legends how you sort of voluntarily buy those skins yeah. uh, it, as just sort of like almost it's almost like an honor system really and I I almost prefer that but yeah the idea that you have to sort of unlock gameplay elements you know it just doesn't sit right with yeah. me and I just don't yeah I'm not into I that think at if all, you yeah. like a game and it's it's fun to play and they're treating you well and they're not forcing you to buy anything like. I wouldn't mind putting money in if it's a free-to-play game, but if they're trying to force you to buy things, that that just irritates me. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, Zombie HQ is pretty good. I don't think it quite cleared like that level of respect to where I would be okay to put some money into it. I think that's kind of yeah, it's kind of on the irritating side, but the core gameplay is still really good. And for a free game, if you don't mind waiting every 15 minutes, it's it's fun to play. I mean, for me, like if I'm at work or something. I don't even notice the wait because I play and then I got to do something mm-hmm. and then I come back and then my time is up. So it kind of works out. But anyway, one last one real quickly uh, is called Alexandria Blood Show. I've been talking about this one uh, a little bit on Twitter. Uh, it's put out by Sega, actually. So one of the larger houses. And it's a lot like plants versus zombies if the plants were Egyptians and the zombies were Greeks. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> basically kind of the same thing. But imagine that. And then you add in like a collectible card game system where the soldiers that you use on your team are actually cards that you have to collect. I think the core game system is great. I really love it. The art style, it looks like hieroglyphics and like Greek, you know, Greek cultural art from like the vases and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like visually it's very appealing and the play is really fun. It's really strategic. It's a good mix of turn-based and real-time. So I think that's nice. Um, but the, the downside is that for a game that uses a collectible card game um, structure, you only get one card for winning or losing a match. And if you want to build a good deck, it takes you a fucking long time yeah, if you one go card. one by one. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, and plus it's random. Like, you get co- you get doubles and triples and quadruples of cards that you're not even using, right? So, like, of course, here's the downside. If you want to get more cards more quickly, <laughs> eh, real it's money. Exactly, course. exactly. And to be honest, this is one of those games where I feel like the core game is good enough that I wouldn't mind putting money in, except... Sega got really fucking greedy with the uh, in-app purchases, and so it's like, for like one, like for like three cards, it's like two real dollars. Oh wow! And then yeah, and if you want to get like five cards, then it's like eight bucks or something like that. And if you want the rare cards, then that's like nine bucks for three. But you don't even know what you're getting because it's random. That's more and, than like legit like cards in real life. Yeah, like like the, like, and it's not a free game. That game I think costs five bucks. That's ridiculous. So it's like. The, the, the cards you buy cost more than the actual game itself. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this economy is completely fucked up. So I'm not down with that at all. And it kind of irritates the shit out of me. But honestly, the game is really good and I do enjoy it. So again, it's one of those that I haven't put any real money into, but I'm kind of just playing the free side of it. So Anything CCG I'm like way into. So I'm afraid if I ever played this, I would plunk money down. I'm sure I would. So I have to stay away. I'm sad to hear, Brad, that you know normally when these games you know charge an extra fee for upgrades and things like that, the games usually suck in general anyway. So I'm I'm sorry to hear that now some of these good games are doing the same thing. Dude, I know, I know. If they were bad, I'd be like, fuck you, delete, whatever, be done. But some of these games are actually genuinely good, and it it yeah, it breaks my heart to see that they get like so greedy. I mean, you know, they got to make a buck, and I'm not saying that people can't profit, but some of this stuff just seems like too much, man. Yeah, the pricing on I don't know where who's doing the pricing on some of these. It's bizarre. I don't even know that. In 10 years from now, this kind of thing is going to be a viable model for making money. It, well, they, they're still trying to figure yeah. it out. You know, I mean, you know, th- well, that's one of the good things about, 
you know, the iOS platform is that the pricing structure is all across the board. But then the bad side of that is you get some crazy whacked out ideas of what people think they should be charging also. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, for example, with 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 Blood Show, if they had, if they had said 99 cents for like, you know, 10 cards or something like, you know, considering how the game plays, I'd be like, oh, that's a really good value. Sure. I'll buy I'll buy five at that right. price and they'll get an extra five bucks. But, you know, they skew it so hard. Like, I don't give them anything. It's like, wouldn't you rather get something rather than nothing i don't know i mean I, yeah I i'd be really curious to see how much they actually make off of that yeah that's a whole that's a fascinating topic i'd like to get in depth with sometime but we are going to take a break and we are going to come back with this uh email it's about sniper elite v2 so stay with us Earlier this week, we got an email that we're going to read and then we're going to discuss. It's from Jeroen from the Netherlands. He says, I am a fan of sniper action like the kind featured in Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid. I would have liked Sniper Elite V2 very much, but they put in a sickening kill cam where you can see the most disgusting damage being done to organs by your bullets. I love sniper games, but don't you agree that this is just a bit sick? I am not a pro-censorship kind of person, but just because there is a market for it, like there is for kids' porn doesn't mean that the market should always deliver. There are certain moral rules about what should and should not be considered appropriate, acceptable, and fun. When is a game a game, and when does it become, well, disturbing sick shit? I mean, where's the line here? Fun and enjoyment is the argument for letting these games exist. Everyone should decide for themselves. Nope, because if that's the principle, then why forbid games where children are sexually abused? I bet that there are people that would enjoy that or think that it's, quote, fun, end quote. The, quote, fun, end quote, argument would mean that abuse of children in a virtual games world could and should be allowed since it's not happening to real people. Games like Manhunt and Sniper Elite V2 should be forbidden or adjusted because they fulfill the pleasures of sick minds, and just because it's a virtual reality doesn't make it less bad, less damaging, or less potentially dangerous. I never thought I would be on this side. I am honestly pretty liberal, even for Dutch standards, where freedom of speech is a biggie, but there must be a line somewhere. My main point is, why show torture porn? What good can come of it? And I'm just going to open it up now to anybody. Brad, do you want to start on this one? Sure. So there's a lot. There's Okay, there's like tons of yeah. issues in that email. That's a pretty huge, broad email. So maybe a good place for us to start would just be for us to talk about our own personal takes on... I mean, I guess let's begin with like the graphic. I mean, that seems like a big thing for him. I mean, he says torture porn. He uses, uh, you know, the examples of Manhunt and Sniper V2 and all that. So maybe we should just kind of go around the horn here and talk about what's what's a good level of violence for each one of us perhaps right you guys you guys okay with that yeah sure 
Okay, cool. So um, it's interesting that he brings up Sniper Elite V2 because as luck would have it, and it, it truly was luck, um, it actually came in from Gamefly like uh, a day after I, uh, we got this email. Okay, so you've and played thought, it. Oh, hey. Yeah, I actually just played it uh, yesterday for the first time. I went through the first uh, two and a half levels or so. And <laughs> I got to say, like, I actually think it's pretty fun. Like, I think it's a pretty good game. <laughs> so um, there's plenty of videos on YouTube and stuff like that for anybody who hasn't seen this game. But the, the thing about this game is, like, you know, you play a sniper and when you you do, like, your the hold the breath slow motion shots, it cuts away to, like, all these incredibly, like, graphic, uh, you know, bullets plowing through skulls. And I even saw a shot today where... Uh, Somebody took a shot from a roof, and it went through a guy's balls. Like, it showed the individual testicles inside his sack. <laughs> oh, wow. And then the bullet went straight through both of his testicles. Wow. I, it, it was kind of funny, man. I kind of laughed at it, and I didn't think it was a big deal. So, for me, clearly, I think I'm okay with a really high level of graphic violence. Um, I don't I don't want well, that all the time. Brad, let me just comment, yeah, though, yeah. in terms of... I just saw a video of it. It doesn't look like a realistic depiction. It almost, like you said, it it, it looks funny because the depiction is almost comical, right? I mean, right? I mean, it's 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 the graphics are you know realistic. I mean, they don't look like cartoon characters, but yeah, like a bullet goes through a guy, and the the game kind of like does like an X-ray shot, so you see right, like. But, the, but that X-ray shot looks like a sort of a medical it, illustration. It, it, it doesn't look like. Uh, it doesn't look like a photorealistic image of what's going on inside of a body is my point. I think it was yeah, purposely it's, it's, trying to be over the top. It was kind of yeah. like that's in uh, Fallout 3 or like a Tarantino movie. Like it's a, I think it's supposed to be over the top. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think some of that stuff is pretty crazy. I mean, there's even like an achievement for shooting a guy like directly in the eyeball and stuff like that. So, you know, there's I think the developers know that they're making a sniper game and they and they pretty much know that if you're going to play a sniper game, you probably want to snipe the hell out of stuff, and it's fun to snipe. I mean, to be honest, as I was playing through this, you know, I find myself a really tall perch, and I, I shot this uh, uh, VIP guy getting out of a, out of a van or something, and I, you know, I was like, yeah, I got him, you know, like it was like this awesome shot from like a mile away, and I was all happy that I made it, and I was, I was having a good time with the game. I mean, it's it's pretty low calorie. It's nothing that's going to really make you question the human condition, but it's it's fun for what it is, and the game knows what it is. It knows it is a sniper game. So, so, it so you're okay with a, a large level of violence? Yeah, if it's appropriate. Like, in this game, I think it's great. I mean, like, and I was just about to say, like, I don't want it in every game. Like, I don't think mm. every single game should have, you know, these, you know, gratuitous kill shots and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with a variety, and as long as it's appropriate, in my perspective, I mean, of course, there's that whole discussion of what's appropriate, but right. for me... I'm getting into a game called Sniper Elite. I expect to snipe. If I see dudes' heads exploding, I'm okay with that in this instance. So, she, what, me, ab- I'm okay. what about you? Where's your level? You know, th- this is this. I, I kind of relate a lot to the listener in terms of the way he he ended his email because, yeah, I'm fairly liberal in general, and you know, there was a time, you know, and I, I you know, I started my web design career at the Anti Defamation League, right? And mm. you know, they're they're all about the freedom of speech and and as such, you know, they sort of accept the fact that, you know, these neo-Nazis are going to spew the most racist, hateful stuff that you can imagine. And you sort of on some level have to accept that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that even influenced, you know, when I created GameCritics.com, I was incredibly, you know, forgiving of what people would say just because I sort of took the lessons I learned from the ADL and sort of applied it there. But I got to say, as I've gotten older, you know, I've, that it's been harder and harder for me to sort of put you know those things to the test and i and i find myself with a lower and lower amount of 
tolerance, you know, I mean, for example, you know, films like, you know, Jack Ketchum's The Girl the Girl Next Door and, you know, films like Irreversible and, you know, Serbian movie. I, I, I just there was a time where I think I could have stomached stuff like that. These days, I don't think I can, you know, and, and I'm having a harder and harder time while I understand that there's, um, you know, that it's a part of freedom of speech. Personally, I'm having a harder and harder time, you know, finding the artistic and any kind of value out of it, really. <laughs> you know, so um, in terms of in terms of what I've seen in games, there isn't really anything I've ever seen that I found disturbing. Granted, I haven't played Amnesia because I just can't stomach, you know, the 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 the, the, the scare tactics and things like that. I'm mm-hmm. just very soft that way in some ways. So I haven't played games like Amnesia and things like that. But you know, but there's never been anything along the lines of the films that I've mentioned that I've seen in video games that would that have ever given me a, a degree of pause. So I, I would say, as of right now, in terms of what we've seen in you know games like God of War, where it's just like ripping off Minotaur heads and that sort of stuff. I think it's silly. I'm not. In, I'm not big big on it these days because, like I said, I just find myself maybe I'm just getting too old for this shit kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. But once it starts getting into like areas where like now we're seeing stuff like with Tomb Raider, it's getting harder and harder for me to sort of define these lines. It's getting very kind of uh, gray for me. What about you, Richard? What are your thoughts? Uh, my tolerance for for violence in terms of like just blood and gore is generally pretty high. Um, it really, it really doesn't bother me in most contexts. However, what tends to bother me more is tone, mm-hmm. more so than gore, because something like, I mean, as we've discussed before, I am not a horror person. Uh, amnesia just, just freaked the living fuck out of me. Like, I, they, they, they game completely terrified me, and I, I can't. What I cannot do is I cannot watch people being tortured or people like in abject pain like that like that just turns me off like i can watch like you know a bomb drop on a whole bunch of people and just blowing them all to pieces like that doesn't bother me at all but if i watch like a dude like getting his fingers slowly chopped off and like him screaming throughout the whole thing Mm -hmm. that freaks me the hell out so i'm wincing even as you're saying that (laughs) yeah so it's like graphic violence itself i'm I'm fine with. I can have fun with that. But I mean, you know, something like Manhunt, where it's like this, you know, really brutal death, where it's like, you know, you're putting a bag over a dude's head and just like punching him to death as he's screaming. That 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 I can't handle. Mike, I I don't even think we need to ask. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, I want to say to Chi, you you see nothing redeeming in a film like Irreversible or The Girl Next Door. Um. Hard to say. Irreversible. Both of them very, very tough calls. I mean, especially with the girl next door, since those are like based on like real life events. Uh, that's that very shit, true. That that was just I found very disturbing. On top of that, so on some level, I can see why you, you know why you needed to to pick that. But then you're talking about something like you know a Serbian you know a Serbian movie, which is just completely fictional, and you know his goal was just to sort of explore like just this the most vilest parts that we he can imagine. And I just wonder, okay, I'm not sure about that. Irreversible, that's a tough one to call. I mean, it, it was just, you know, that I didn't even quite watch it through. It was just, you know, tough to process, you know, in some levels. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what that film means at the end of the day. <laughs> well, Irreversible is sort of a meditation on 
you know, the banality of evil and all that, told how uh, about how time and, and things happen, and there's a reason it's told in reverse and all that. But And a Serbian film has tons of, of critical essays about... Personally, I don't like a Serbian film. I didn't think it was a very good film. But there are tons of essays and discussions from the filmmakers about how they were using that as a statement about what life is like in inside of Serbia where everything is corrupt and people are not valued as human beings and life is cheap and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I kind of take exception to the idea that these films have no artistic value or have no deeper meaning uh, other than titillation or as pure exploitation I didn't, films. Just keep in mind, first of all, I didn't say that, just, right. just for the record. But, I just said but, I couldn't but, but you Find danced up to the song. precipice there, so I'm just saying. No, that's that, fine. I'm just saying, but yeah. don't put that in my mouth. I, I, no, I'm not. I'm sure but, there's other people that are saying that. I'm just not able to process that myself, I would say. Right. But, and, uh, and like in the case of Irreversible, I would also would say like it's as, from a storytelling standpoint, it's I found it difficult to watch as well. It just wasn't a very – like just – it didn't flow very well either. So it was just difficult to watch. The subject was, you know, extremely horrible. And then on top of that, you know, the directing and the, you know, the way that it was done was also just like, you know, unpleasant. So just unpleasant overall. I'm interested, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm interested if you've ever had that experience with a game. That's what I'm saying. I've never felt that like super unpleasant, right. you know, and I understand that it's sort of meant to be that way in some ways, but yeah, very much. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it, and why why should art only have to be happy or, or positive or, or good? I, right, and, and, and I totally those things, get that. Those, yeah, those yeah. things are all valid things, I think, for filmmakers and game makers and artists of any type to discuss and have a stance on and discuss thematically and you know right. tell and stories then, about. And then going back to and then going back to freedom of speech. If you value freedom of speech, you have to accept these things as right. well. Absolutely. So I totally uh, get all that, but yet still hard, you know. So, but yeah, yeah. go on. No, I just I just wanted to clarify. That's all. Uh, yeah. So for me, yeah, I, dude, uh, this is this is my field, you know. I'm I'm the horror guy. I, I've seen all kinds of stuff. Uh, I find the whole idea of what gets called torture porn silly because. In the grand scheme of things, there are way worse films out there for violence and disturbing subject matter than Saw or, you know, Hostel or any of that. So, and as someone who has loved Manhunt and, and thinks Manhunt is a really interesting game that does some very subversive things, I, you know, I, I get antsy whenever people start saying that. You know, this is for a sick mind or anything like that. I think that's an incredibly broad generalization and honestly a little bit insulting. I, I think you're allowed to not like that stuff. You're allowed to not approve of it. But when you start casting aspersions of, about people who, who enjoy something that you don't or, or something like that, 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 that it somehow makes them sick, I, I have a big problem with that. And it, it's really kind of a troubling point. For me, even, even even the word enjoyment, I think, is overly simplistic. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, very level? much I mean, so. Yeah, I, I mean, there. No, no, these... I don't think anyone's whacking off to this shit, right? No, no. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> you hope well, not. Anyway, well, you know, you right, you right, know what right. the thing is, is 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 it's like that internet saying that everything goes back to porn eventually, or sex, or whatever. And and yeah, there are some very sick people out there who who will latch on to things like that, and and certainly, you know enjoy them in a way that is totally you know that everybody 
would think is inappropriate on some level. But the vast majority of people are looking at these things and, uh, you know, I'm looking at it as a game. I'm looking at it as does it have any kind of philosophy behind it? You know, it's easy to say, well, Manhunt doesn't have a philosophy, but Manhunt does have a bit of a philosophy. If you know anything about the history of snuff cinema and and the Manson family who, you know, were supposedly making snuff films and, you know, underground filmmaking in general and all this stuff. So it's like, you know, it's not something where people are sitting around and getting off on it, but there, but there's something interesting in that, and it, and I think it's okay to be interested in violence and why violence happens and the banality of evil and all this stuff. I I find all that stuff fascinating, and it just it just kind of bugs me though that that sometimes that we jump to these labels like it's something for a sick mind or for, or something. For me, the level of violence I'm okay with is directly proportionate to how fun the game is to me. Like, if I'm not having fun, I, it maybe bothers me a little bit. But if I'm having fun and it isn't the theme of the game, I'm fine with it. My thing about this email, this dude, he, you love sniper games. You're playing a game where you are expected to shoot people in the head, sir. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you're still murdering people, whether you can see the organs or not. To, so to me, it just seems like this guy's squeamish because he can see the organs, but it's never bothered him before, but he was, you're still killing people. So I don't know what, where the morality comes in. And you know, what's interesting about that. I would actually, to me, being squeamish about something like that is actually a good thing. I think that, that if, you know, if you see that stuff, then it has some kind of context beyond just being mindless, desensitizing violence. If you, if you see irreversible or you see a Serbian film or you play manhunt and you wince at some of that stuff, that's what's supposed to happen. That that's how you're supposed to react to it. What scares me are the people who don't do that, but I don't know anybody who doesn't wince at that stuff. I mean, as Jaded as I am, as much shit as I've seen over the years I've done this, you know, I still look at that stuff and I still go, wow, that's intense and, you know, that's disturbing or whatever. I appreciate it in a way that a lot of people don't, but it still has an effect. So I I think that if you have an effect and you think it's disturbing, that's the point. Then it works and that means it has some kind of intrinsic value. Mike, it's interesting you say that. And let me throw something out there. And I'm not even sure I, I, I believe this per se but so you know don't judge me on it (laughs) give me a chance to respond in essence but i think when i think of like the classic horror film fan you know the guys lining up on the street and you know you see them on camera you know sticking their tongues out or whatever right (laughs) (laughs) you know to me that the the reason why they enjoy that film is because they want to be that guy that can say i can stomach this shit i can tolerate this and yeah you 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 know you lame mainstream people can't and that sort of For makes sure. me – that's – you know what I mean? Am I off on that? That's sort of how the horror fan kind of views themselves? It's – it's it's yeah, it is. And, and But it's like, like a all, courage, you know? it's like It's like a sign of bravado. Yeah, a bravado right. thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, look how tough I am. This doesn't phase me. and But you know what? It really does. And, and uh, it, there's certainly – and then there's the other level of it where you go, look, I go in and I watch – pieces or a serbian film or august underground or some of these movies i know they're movies you know we know they're movies we're watching them and like i know that's a that's a great special effect yeah that's really violent and disturbing but you know hacking that guy's arm off but you know it's a special effect now what what's a little more disconcerting to me are the people who you know will watch something like 
uh, you know, like the the cannibal guy from Canada who made who had that video up for a while of him of him dismembering the kid or something. Like, look, I'll be the first to tell you, I've written about all those Mondo films and all those death tapes and all that stuff. I've seen all that shit. I've seen all the beheadings. I've seen all the terrible real stuff that gives people nightmares. But you know what? It always affects me when I see it. So I would never tell you that watching Daniel Pearl, you know, get his head lopped off was was something that I laughed at or wasn't phased by. It bothered me immensely. But as someone who writes about this stuff, you know, it's part of my gig to see it. So uh, I find that when it's real stuff and it doesn't phase people, that's disturbing. But we're all smart people and we all understand that this stuff is is a game or a movie or real you know, except for a very small contingency of a, a group of us who have, you know, mental issues or whatever. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely a line there. So I, I think it's hard to kind of talk about, you know, you watch horror movies so that and that's sick and disturbing, but, you know, they're still movies, so... First of all, Mike, I just want to up, say. Mike. Oh yeah, good, Chief. Go no, ahead. I just want to throw out there. First of all, Mike, I'm I'm really surprised and um, enlightened in in some ways as well, when you say that you know you're a fan of this because you do feel these things. Because I like I said, I thought the stereotype was the exact opposite. So I'm kind of surprised to hear that it's not what I thought it was to begin with as well, right? So, um, so that kind of is very interesting to me. But my question to you also was in terms of, you know, what what. Why do you feel value in subjecting yourself to that then, I suppose, you know, because I, I just, you know, I, I guess I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, right. and believe me, I, I have in the past. I've, I've, I didn't see a Serbian movie, but I saw Irreversible and The Girls Next Door because I do understand that there's some value in, like, not hiding myself from these kind of things. But at the same time, and, and I've done it once and that's good enough. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to repeatedly, repeatedly subject myself to that, you know? So, Yeah. I, I can't answer for everybody, obviously. I can only answer for me. Uh, for me, there's a an interest in... in it, it's almost like a philo- philosophical thing. I have this philosophy where I'm like, if you think the worst, it can't happen. So, like, horror movies are like a rehearsal for the worst things that could possibly happen. So, it's like when I'm not imaginative enough, I'm like, oh, if I go camping, some guy in a hockey mask is going to hack me to pieces. So, you know, it, it's – and it's it's just one more emotion that we feel. I mean, why do we go see, you know, dramas about the Holocaust or something like that? Those are equally upsetting uh, you know, something like uh, The Piano or, or Schindler's List, those are upsetting films as, as well. So I think we do it because we feel want to feel something and we want to stay in touch with those feelings. And, uh, and when it comes to fear or horror or things like that, you know, that's something that you, you I would rather experience it from a film than I would in real life. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't ever want to experience any of this in real life. It's, it's interesting you bring up the imagination part. Let me get to that, but I wanted to, since I cut you off, Brad, what, what, what were you going to no, say? No, go ahead, Chi. Go ahead with what you're doing. Go ahead. Okay. I'll bring it back later. It's, it, I, I find the thing about the imagination thing a very interesting point because, you know, obviously I'm from New York City, right? And I was here when 9-11 happened, right? And when 9-11 happened, I don't remember exactly what the quote from Spike Lee was, but he, you know, sort of paraphrasing Spike Lee is that he in some ways kind of blamed Hollywood for it because, it, you know, because of all those like Independence Day, of all the buildings blowing up. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it put the idea in the terrorist's head and it mm-hmm. made that 
it, it sort of made it visually possible for those terrorists. And I'm not sure that's 100% accurate or true, but I, I, and I don't know how many New Yorkers believe that, but on some level, I do believe that, you know what I mean, as a New Yorker myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so then when the imagination becomes reality, as it did with, unfortunately, with, you know, Dark Knight Rises, it's kind of fucking scary, to be quite honest with you. You know what I mean? So, it, you know, when there's real life consequences as well, that bothers well, me. Well, but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Shane. Sorry to cut anybody off on this. Yeah. But it's like, again, it's like, is the fault the, the filmmaker who imagined this fictional event and put it down in a, on a soundstage and filmed it for someone's entertainment? Or is it the sick fuckers who decide to actually take that and translate it into the real world? I mean, you can't blame people for whatever it is they do that's art. I mean, it's it's person who's taking the action who is ultimately accountable for that. I mean, I, I get kind of what Spike is saying, but at the same time, I, I wholly disagree with that because then where do you draw the line between, you know, I mean, anybody could say or do anything. And then if somebody else does something that's remotely echoing it, you can't put any kind of blame on that first person. It's the person who's committing the crime. Right. And right. If, and if we come back to that, you, you go, OK, so we go Independence Day for 9-11. Then we got to go Catcher in the Rye was responsible for killing John Lennon. Then we have to go how many people when we got to stop the Bible because how many people have read the Bible and twisted that around to kill people with and drawn ideas, you know, inspiration for crimes from that. I, I totally get where you're coming from with that and I get where Spike Lee is coming from with that and, and there's a part of me that says, yeah, maybe this gave these guys the idea but they were already intending to do something anyway. So I have a hard time holding artists responsible for that, for what people do with the art. I don't think as an artist you can control that. If they hadn't gotten it from Independence Day, they'd have gotten it from something else. Yeah. Just just for the record, I threw out Independence Day. I don't think Spike Spike Lee's original quote, he wasn't blaming any particular movie because you can't. You can't blame any one particular movie. I mean, you know, if it wasn't Independence Day, it's something else. But it's just, like I said, for me, it's just really hard to, to process that in light of 9-11 and things like that. Yeah. I tell you what's really interesting about like the Aurora shooting and, and this whole discussion that comes up whenever these kind of things happen is that you know, we, we see a lot of reaction, and I understand why, uh, because people are upset and you need a reason for why bad things happen. And it's interesting to me, though, that the reactions are always you know harvey weinstein wants to have a summit on violence in movies now which is totally ironic given some of the movies harvey weinstein and his brother have released over the years uh and then there's always the talk about gun control and to me the thing that's really interesting that we never talk about is most of these guys who do these things have some kind of mental disturbance and this country doesn't it treats mental illness with such a stigma that we we don't help people who need help like that and these bad things happen so it always seems like we focus on these we focus on these external extraneous things instead of ever getting to the heart of the real issue is that there are just some people who have mental illnesses that our health system lets fall through the cracks because we don't have a health system and these people don't have insurance and that's what always kind of disturbs oh, me about yeah. these things. I'm totally glad you brought that up Mike because I, I was actually gonna, just thinking of a story. I'm, I don't really talk about my real life uh, job very often and I don't want to get too far into it but um, I actually do work quite a bit with people with mental illness and a lot of severe mental illness and in fact I mean I knew this one guy uh, who got up on some train tracks because he literally thought that he was Superman and he was going to stop the train with his bare hands mm-hmm. and f- it was like in all the newspapers in Seattle a while back I mean you can Google and look it up if you want to uh, but 
he he was severely mentally ill. I mean, he literally thought he was, you know, from Krypton or whatever. And, you know, I mean, are you going to go back and blame like Donner for making Superman? Or are you going to go even further back and blame Siegel and Schuster for creating the character in the first place? I mean, it's really that this guy is like tragically mentally ill. I mean, he needs to be in like all these medications and he needs to like be under constant supervision because if it wasn't Superman, it was going to be Batman. If it wasn't Batman, it was going to be the local baseball hero. I mean, it was going to be something like people like that are going to latch onto something. And I see these people all the time and they are just constantly looking for something to trigger them off. And it's not, I mean, you know, I mean, gun control is a whole other issue and, and violence in the, in the, in, in games and films and all that stuff. I mean, we can all debate the merits of that and the value of the artistic quality of them. But I think when things happen, like, like the shooting in Aurora or any of the other things like nine 11, I mean, I think we're talking about people who are really, sick they've got this fundamental problem with their worldview and they're using violence to like act that out i mean that is the real problem that the problem is not that somebody got in a superhero costume and made a two-hour film about it the problem is that somebody saw that and like they're so hurt and so broken that they interpret that as something they need to act on and just like mike said i mean i think that the way america treats mental illness is a crime i think that we need to totally take it a lot more seriously than we do um and i can say that firsthand but it's like I, you know, I just I, I fail to see how people can blame the media with, for all these things because I'm a healthy person. We're all healthy people here. I mean, I know tons of people who watch horror movies and all kinds of porn and all kinds of stuff, and yet they're not going out committing crimes. I mean, if, if that stuff really had an effect, wouldn't we be like an entire nation like raping and killing and blowing each other up on a daily basis? And yet it doesn't happen. So I think really that the blame for that stuff needs to fall where it really belongs, and that's like on, on deeper issues than what people are exposed to. You know, and I'll add one one other thing to it as as this thought came to me as we were talking about it, and uh, you know, as as you can already allude to, I'm not trying to blame anything or anything like that. I'm just trying to reconcile my own you know feelings and thoughts on it. Um, I will say that I don't, you know, and and unfortunately, some of these um, films and you know possibly games and things like that unfortunately do result in these real world consequences as we're as we're saying, but I don't think it's my place to criticize them ultimately it's up to the artist right if they feel responsible and they choose to never ever do a film about the subject or whatever then that's their call and that's their right and I, and for me i'll leave it at that you know i'll respect the artist's decision of whether they felt they were doing good or bad and you know i'm not holding them responsible but ultimately that's something they have to reconcile you know what i mean and we've seen that firsthand we we saw uh, Kubrick, in reaction to A Clockwork Orange in England, pulled the film years and years ago, and then we saw Stephen King wrote Rage as one of the Bachman books, which was about a school shooting before school shootings ever became such a big thing, and, and guys, when school shootings started happening, he thought that that book was having a negative impact on the world, and he's pulled right. it, and you can't, you know, you can't get it anymore. So, yeah, I, I totally, you know, I think that's up to the individual artist, and if if they feel that what they're putting out there has that effect, then I, I respect the right to pull it. And I'm not saying that the media we watch doesn't affect us on some level. I think I think media, you know, uh, the games we play and things like that do affect us, obviously, but I think the vast majority of us are you know, normal, well-adjusted people who understand the difference between fantasy and reality and don't act upon it in, in a negative way. And it it's just seems a little bit reactionary to me to start censoring things or start controlling what's acceptable in these mediums because, uh, you know, because a few people who are not 
well-adjusted or mentally healthy have acted upon them in a negative way, especially since I don't think removing these things would have stopped these people from going off in the first place. And, and to kind of follow up on that, I totally agree with your, your sentiment that the artist has the right to, you know, take back their work if they feel like it's being used properly or received improperly. But on the other side of that, I think also, you know, the audience has large responsibility to either subscribe to a particular product or to not. I mean, if, if somebody puts out something <laughs> that's distasteful to people and they really don't like it, then it's not going to sell. And a financial, I mean, that's the most powerful deterrent or support in the entire world. I mean, you know, you put your money where your mouth is. And if products are coming out that people don't like, they're not going to buy them. And, and take, for example, the very game which started this discussion off, Sniper Elite uh, V2, you know, I think that people who would ordinarily be inclined to buy a sniper game would probably be really excited for the fact that, hey, look how brutal this is. Look how gory this is. I'm a, I, I like sniper action, and this is like the, the most hardcore sniper action out there. I'm going to buy this game because this appeals to me as a consumer. So clearly there are people out there that like that. This game wouldn't have been made if they didn't think this had a shot of hitting it. You know, I mean, I don't think there's anything really exciting about sniping a dot at like 5,000 miles away and seeing the dot fall over. I mean, you know, maybe maybe somebody out there would get off on that, but, you know, I don't think that really satisfies the need of what they were going for. Dot porn. But, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, for the same you know, reason why porn is not two people, you know, kissing as silhouettes behind a sheet or something, you know, it's like there's a market for that, and if the market's there, then people will put their money on it, and that supports that thing going forward. So, uh, you know, I think if, if people are really that upset about it and really believe that it's that negative or detrimental, then, you know, don't participate in it, don't support it, and it will go away. And here's an interesting thing. And I, I, I actually want to do a first here. I want to actually ask the listener a question back, and maybe he can post his response on the comments or send us the, his answer or whatever. But my question to him is, in some ways, isn't showing the damage that you're doing as a sniper in some ways more affecting? And if you're not comfortable with that, that means that you're sort of facing the reality of what it is to be a sniper, isn't it? Right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So why do you enjoy these sniper games, but when you're fa- forced to you know, deal with the damage that you're causing, you're not okay with that? That's sort of a commentary in a way, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to read an email from James Carter, because he, he sums up my opinion on it really well. Um, I, he says, I cannot in any way support the notion that violence in video games, hyper or otherwise, should be banned. The listener reader pointed to violence in Sniper uh, V2.0 and Manhunt. That is over the top, unnecessary, or that serves no real purpose. But these are not absolute terms. In fact, they are entirely subjective. I recently replayed Manhunt, and while there were scenes that made me decidedly uncomfortable, I found it interesting to be able to challenge my own values and morals with a game that includes what I consider to be extreme content. Films such as Requiem for a Dream or Schindler's List may be difficult and upsetting to watch, but there's value in such works of expression. Ideally, I would like to see ratings boards provide ample information on the content of a video game, such that your correspondent, myself, or any other individual can choose for themselves whether they wish to play it. Likewise, if a video game goes beyond what the majority of its prospective audience feel is acceptable, in terms of violence or any other type of content, then it will fail to sell. This is a self-correcting action and means that the banning of a game is thankfully very rare. And I think he summed it up perfectly. That's James Carter that wrote that. That's and we should say we should say before we go any further, we had to actually edit that for length. So mm-hmm. James, we know that we didn't get your whole email in there, but that was we felt like that was a, a good representation of what you're saying. So hopefully you will um, agree with that. But we did have to edit that uh, email. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but I think that sort of echoes what you were saying mm-hmm. as far as the extreme content size. That you know, in terms of 
pushing right. your values and things like that, right? Right. Yeah. He he's he's pretty much on the same page as me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he's on the same page as well. I won't I won't speak for everybody. He, me too. He's on the same page as me too. <laughs> Don't, you can't speak for you, Dylan. Come on. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is he, the most he, challenging show ever. I think James more or less did get it right. So, I mean, he kind of speaks for me, too. It's like episode 77, The Minefield. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to go as far as this discussion? Any other places you wanted to go in this discussion? Or uh, I want to thank the the guy who wrote in i'm sorry i forgot his name his name's jeroon 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 i'm sorry i mispronounced it uh thank him thank him for taking the time to write us and and you know we don't and i don't entirely see eye to eye with his his viewpoint but i do think it made for some interesting discussion and contentious at times and intense and that's good yeah yeah and i I hope he respects the fact that we were not trying to be dismissive in any shape way or form of what he was saying and i really do hope that he um answers my question yeah right back in i i don't agree with you but i respect that you wrote in and took the time to like it was a i can tell you put a lot of thought into it i can respect that but i think you shouldn't be playing games where you shoot people in the head if you have a problem with violence okay <laughs> wasn't, wasn't there a second email also there was a second email i will read that as well this is from darren foreman i can only speak from my own experience on this issue and that issue is that of someone who cheerfully digested movies such as commando and robocop from the age of eight yeah yet somehow grew up despising real-world violence and the inequalities of modern life. At no point did I ever wish to grow twin-mounted machine guns jutting out from my arms and nonchalantly blow OCP executives into a pile of bloody mulch while a disapproving boss shook his head in the background. Well, not seriously, anyway. Can we have this guy on the show? This guy's hilarious. It's the same (laughs) deal with video games. When Mortal Kombat rolled into town, I never thought about tearing off someone's head and holding it aloft while while the severed spine swung around underneath like a depressed tapeworm. I never played played Streets of Rage, wishing that I could actually be Blaze, fielding, and stab some dude in the face with a broken bottle as I wandered down the street smacking a bunch of seemingly genetically cloned thugs in the face. Call me malevolent. I'm so, man, I can't read tonight. Call me a malevolent manifestation of darkness if you like, but I find the idea of casually banning anything that anyone might conceivably find offensive to be a very slippery slope. It seems everywhere you look, there's a sweaty, half-naked man beating his chest and screaming about how something is shit and awful and should be banned because they personally don't like it. I love this guy. <laughs> Darren is great, and I want to just say also that we did have to, we did have to edit that email as well, and also... If we were to really do justice to that email, it should have been read in a very rich Scottish accent. And I got to say, uh, <laughs> when you hear Darren talking, it makes everything sound ten times funnier. I mean, he's funny to start with, but it's it's just. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I probably butchered that email from the reading, but yeah, that was a, I, again a well thought out email. We have we have intelligent fans and listeners. We do. It makes me happy. Um, does anybody else want to add anything to this conversation before we move to thumbs up, thumbs down? Um, I just want to also thank uh, Jeroen for writing in and thank uh, also James and uh, Darren uh, for writing in and uh, I really appreciate everybody's contributions. And this is, I mean, as we as we have seen here, very difficult stuff. It's really hard to talk about without feelings running high on all sides. And, you know, it, I, I really appreciate the fact that, number one, that we can have that discussion here on the Game Critics podcast. And I'm also thankful that people out there actually want to hear what we have to say about it so i'm kind of i'm kind of honored in that sense so hopefully we've done the subject justice in some small way so 
And and uh, I would add that I I don't think any of us uh, are like 100% locked into our viewpoint about any of this stuff. We we're all interested in talking about it and thinking about it and you know other viewpoints of it and things like that. So it's you know maybe if we miss something here and you comment on it, you you might post a comment that makes me change my thinking completely. So. You know, it's not a closed topic by any means for us. Yeah, and Jeroen, definitely write back and answer Chief's question and add anything because um, I'm not sure that I completely got the what your meaning in the email was. So definitely write us back. And we are going to be back in a second with thumbs up, thumbs down. So stay with us. back with thumbs up thumbs down at the end of the show where it belongs unlike last time we um richard let's start with you uh sure i just have one this week and it is a a proper thumb up not not a sideways and i'm not giving two thumbs to the same thing it is just one thumb to one thing good to see you uh, following the rules richard Mm -hmm. i follow nobody's rules this is totally my decision (laughs) but uh thumbs up to dark knight rises i saw it a few days ago it was actually I, it got some really early negative press that i saw and it was actually it was actually kind of funny because uh there was one critic or maybe several critics i'm not even sure they got like a huge amount of flack from it uh, about a negative review for that from people that could not have possibly seen the movie at that point which was hilarious and saddening at the same time but i saw it i i thought it was good i thought that the first half of the movie was very rushed um they had to fit a lot of stuff into there but once they there's a certain point right when uh the second act starts and it just it clicks and then it moves from there and i thought it i thought it ended very well and so i was i was i was satisfied so and you you never you ducked me on facebook on this richard but i said I did? yeah because i i wrote you on your facebook comment about it i thought it was sort of the exact opposite i thought for me the first half oh. played a lot better and the 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 second half really felt rushed just considering all the content they were cramming in to that so i'm just i'm kind of surprised that you felt that way and i wanted to hear that but i'm not sure if we can get into that without too many spoilers or whatnot oh I'm, well first i want to say i'm sorry I, I didn't see that on uh on facebook okay. but it's it's explaining the and it is difficult to talk about it without spoilers but explaining what bane is what bane's plan actually is and why they're coming to gotham city is during the first half before they make a connection to something else in the batman canon that gets kind of kind of messed up because you don't really know why bane is there yeah i get that they kind of dance over that but i'm just saying in general the, the 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 film is very easy flowing for the first half in terms of just introducing the characters and i love how they you know bring in like catwoman just as like a cat burglar not like a cat woman you know like with an actual you know ears or cat ears or anything like that she's just sort of like you know almost like she's like a specialist or something which i think was a really uh, good way of doing that yeah. but i just i'm just saying at the end 
you know, once it uh, approaches the climax, they just cram in so much stuff, you know, so much and so much revelation as well, right? That didn't you think that that was rushed? I didn't because, and I know the revelation you're talking about, but I because believe it or not, I didn't actually see it coming. Yeah, but even regardless of the revelation, which was a lot in of itself, but there's also like all this stuff happening as far as like you know what I'm talking about when they. To me, that stuff flowed a lot better than it did in the first half. I mean, I can't, it's, it's difficult for me to explain why, but it's like, it just, it felt more, it felt more coherent at that point. It's like once the, yeah, it's like, there's a certain point where the movie just sort of like clicks and then it starts firing on all cylinders from that point on. I yeah, think... But you get what I'm saying about the sheer amount of content at the end, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. I think you guys need to do a spoiler-filled Game Critics After Dark episode about the Batman movie. Because <laughs> yeah, th- th- it's an interesting discussion. Um, Richard, any more thumbs up, thumbs downs? Uh, no, that was it. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I got one other one. Um, thumbs up to, well, thumbs up mostly to Mega Man and Base. It is the only entry in the classic Mega Man series that I actually had not played. And for the most part, it's pretty damn good uh it might be the most challenging game in the in the classic series actually like even more than like Mega Man 1 and 2 um i've just beat it uh yesterday and it's i mean it's a good game it's a good Mega Man game if you like Mega Man and you can get a copy of it for uh the game boy advance i think it's you can find it on amazon for like 30 bucks and i i yeah i'd say it's worth it okay cool so Mega Man and base Mega Man and Bass. All it's right. not numbered. It's just Mega Man and Bass. Sounds like some kind of hip-hop video game fusion <laughs> project. That's, you know, honestly, that's what it kind of sounds like to me at the, fir- the first time I ever heard it. Mega Man and Rob Bass, who came to there get that. There you down. go. <laughs> Mike, thumbs- it takes two. <laughs> it does. Mike, thumbs up, thumbs down. Just one thumbs up this week, which is kind of funny considering what we just talked about. Uh, my thumbs up is for Hostel 3. Uh, Direct-to-DVD is usually a kiss of death for any kind of film, when especially when you're at up to the third installment in a series. But uh, Hostel 3 uh, not only has that dubious distinction against it, it also lost Eli Roth and has a new director in the form of uh, Sam Raimi's old buddy Scott Spiegel. But surprisingly enough, Hostel 3 manages to subvert your expectations at almost every turn. Every time you see a scene in this movie that you think, I know exactly where this is going, it veers off in some subtle little way into something different. It's not a great film. It's not as good as the original Hostel or even as good as Hostel 2. And there's no cool cameo like uh, Takashi Miike or Ruggiero Diodato or Edvige Finetch or anything like that in it. But uh, for a direct-to-DVD fare that you can stream on Netflix some night when you're bored, it's moderately entertaining, which was more than I was expecting. So thumbs up to that and uh, check it out if you like horror flicks. Would it be good if – okay, because – Without Eli Roth and being directed DVD, I expect it to be a horrible movie. But would mm-hmm. it would it still be good if you were expecting a decent horror movie? It's well, it, it depends. If you like the first two Hostels, mm-hmm. I think you will find things to enjoy in this one. It's not, it, it does. It's not nearly as gory, which was surprising to me, given that Scott Spiegel was involved in it. But uh, and it doesn't have any of Scott Spiegel's typically insane, crazy camera shots, like from inside a phone or okay. in your shopping cart or any of that. Like he, like he did an Intruder. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, look, it's not a five-star movie. Right. It's barely a three-star movie. But when you go in and you're like, oh my god, this is the third mo- movie in a franchise that went direct to DVD now. Uh, and especially after you just watched the latest Hellraiser with the fake Pinhead, the fat guy as <laughs> Pinhead. Or the latest, the last Children of the Corn movie, which are absolutely just fucking unwatchable right. flicks. Uh, it, it's actually decent and entertaining. Uh, sort of like... Uh, Quarantine 2 was earlier this year. Pleasantly surprising for direct-to-DVD fare. And you said it's streaming on Netflix right now? Streaming on Netflix. You can check it out for free. That's worth it then, I think. Yeah, it take kill 90 minutes. I mean, if you hate it, you're out 90 minutes. But, you know, you find something fun in it, I think. I'm going to give a thumbs up, and I never thought I would do this. I was avoiding it for so long. But I finally broke down and got PlayStation Plus for three months. And I, Ooh. yeah, I assumed I would hate it, but I don't have Gamefly. I don't buy very many games, so I figured it would be a way to like play some free games. And I've really enjoyed it. I've I've been playing a lot of like Little Big Planet too, and I've downloaded, uh, um, uh, what's that Gotham City game? The the first person shooter that just came out. In Gotham City Imposters. Imposters. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played that yet, but I downloaded it. So. I don't know. I think it's worth it. It was only like 20 bucks for three months. There's a lot of discounts on games, and you get a lot of free games. And I've enjoyed it a lot so far. So for me, thumbs up to PlayStation Plus. Hey, Dylan, I've never got a straight answer on this, but when you, if you let your, your PS Plus run out, let me know if all your free games vanish when that goes. I, I think it does. I think sure. it does, too. I'm wondering that because when I downloaded like Little Big Planet 2, it said if you buy any extra content for the game, you'll have to, like once the PlayStation Plus runs out, you'll have to like rebuy the game, buy the game use the right, content yeah. what really but it, i but i assume like if you buy like a discounted price game it won't go like it won't but, but how much down. is three months of PlayStation? like 20 plus? bucks it's not bad how much is yeah so why shouldn't you why if you're and if you buy a year or whatever how much is a year? Yeah, like, yeah you're paying like enough to bucks. buy that game you should get that game that's crazy but you're getting a lot of games for play i don't know i to me it's worth it i guess to each their own i, I don't know i'll probably renew in three months and spend another twenty bucks. Are you going to get the full year? I might. I've been enjoying it so far. So I, I I'm happy with it. So another reason why I hate digital games. <laughs> if I buy it, they can't ever take it away. Yeah, I, I don't like the digital game where that's going either. But I'm happy with PlayStation Plus. I knew what I was getting when I paid the twenty bucks, and I'm happy with it. So, um, thumbs up, thumbs down, Brad Galloway. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I think uh, no thumbs down this time around, but I got a couple of thumbs up. Uh, I'm just going to kind of continue the general movie theme that we had this time around. Um, thumbs up to Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. I just saw this. Yeah, you, you like this too, Mike, right? Yeah, I think I thumbs up, thumbed up it all, a long time ago, actually. Did you really? You did. You I really did. It's a yeah. real thumb? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I double thumb that then. For those of you who don't remember, this is a, a very clever tale of. Uh, you know, it seems like your typical group of teenagers going in the woods and they're going to meet these hillbillies out there. But it turns out that the hillbillies are the normal people and the teenagers are like these whack jobs. And the whole like series of misunderstandings that happens between the two groups is just it's fucking hilarious. It's really funny. Um, it's also a little bit on the bloody side. It's actually bloodier than I thought it was going to be. But that was fine with me because I am I got a pretty high tolerance for that kind of stuff. Is the premise? Um, and of, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, go, I, go, I was just going to say it was just it was funny and it was clever and i really like um tyler labine who is uh who plays uh one of the rednecks and also uh, what's the guy from firefly who's in that the other alan tudyk yeah alan oh, i like him they're both really good i mean everybody's really good it's just I, I my wife and i watched it for a date night and we both like really like laughed and just had a really good time with it so total 
total thumbs up to that movie. Uh, you were gonna say something, Dylan? I was just gonna ask: Is the premise that each side thinks the other side is like some sort of monster, or is that completely off base? No, it was basically what happens is is like the the group of teenagers goes into the woods. They're expecting all the rednecks and the hillbillies to be like cannibals and rapists and stuff. But then the hillbillies that are up there, they buy a vacation home and they're like, well, we're just going up to fix up our home and do some fishing. And it's just like the way that they're perceived, like the the hillbillies think the kids are like just really excitable and crazy and stupid. And the kids think that they're like psychopaths. So like every single thing the hillbillies do is like misinterpreted to be like this threat or like them acting like, you know, bloodthirsty killers and <laughs> It's it's pretty clever the way they flip it around and it's I just, I just thought it was fucking funny. Though. It's like it's like a horror movie version of Three's Company, basically. <laughs> you know how Three's Company every episode <laughs> right, revolved right. around some stupid yeah. misunderstandings. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that, except with rednecks and high school kids and horror movie trappings. I've got it horror. on my instant queue. I'm gonna have to watch it. Oh, you have to watch it. It's oh, hysterical. Oh, it's good. It's it's definitely worth it. So that was that was my one my double thumb doubling thumb. Mike's thumb from way long time ago. So good call on that one, Mike, for sure. Uh, the other one, uh, getting away from games still, I'm going to go to comics this time. Thumbs up to uh, the resurgence of a couple of comics uh, from way long time ago in the 90s. Um, Valiant, I don't know if anybody remembers Valiant comics. Yeah. Uh, they were one of the put out by Jim Shooter. You what? They, they were one of the key contributors to, like, crashing the comic collectible market. In the they comics. were. They were. They Yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. I, it's funny because Jim Shooter was the guy who was behind Valiant, and I actually had met Jim one time, and I thought he was a really cool guy, and then I thought... Valiant was really going to go places, and man, it just it crashed and burned, and like you said, it dragged down comics with it. And they can't take all the blame, but they were they were a big player in how shitty things got in the '90s for comics. But anyway, uh, a couple. I think actually the entire Valiant line just came back a couple of months ago, and I'm not a fan of all of them, but I really liked Exo Manowar. Um, and it wasn't a great comic back then. It's not a great comic now, but I think the premise is cool, and I just am a big fan of of cool armor and the thought that there's this. Um, you know, middle ages warrior who f- stumbles into this like super high tech suit of armor is kind of a cool dichotomy for me. So Exo Man of War is back. Uh, not great, but it's good. It's good enough for me. But the one that really was great was Bloodshot. And I don't know if anybody remembers Bloodshot, but he was a soldier who had like nanites in his blood and he could like, um, you know, I don't know, just heal stuff and he could, you know, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever nanites do himself, for you. Yeah. yeah seriously i mean i wasn't a fan of the book back then uh but the first issue just came out and i gotta say it was one of the best first issues i've read in a while i was really impressed it grabbed me right away it told me what i needed to know plenty of action and it really had like this really cool twist at the end that made me think oh oh i want to hurry up and read number two and i haven't had that feeling in a long time like usually i you know comics these days i drop 253 three four five bucks for a comic i read it and i'm like uh Whatever is okay. Maybe I'll read the next one. Maybe it won't. No big deal. But this one, I was like, man, I really want to see what happens next. So thumbs up to this quasi-resurgence of Valiant with Exo Man War and Bloodshot. And I'm done. All right. Chi, your thumbs, please. Sure. Big thumbs down to Big Money Sports and the whole Jeremy Lin situation and the way that all played out. <laughs> Yeah. It's just it's just really sad. And I don't blame Jeremy Lane for taking the money. I don't blame the Knicks for taking a pass. I ultimately have to blame big money sports. And it's just really sad for the fans when you have this great story and, you know, everything that sports should represent. And the guy can't even stay on his own fucking team. It's just it's unbelievable. It's just a big smack in the face for fans. But, yeah, it is what it is. And I, I've since moved on, but I just wanted to give a thumbs up anyway. Thumbs down, rather, anyway. 
couple of th- uh, several thumbs up uh, quick thumbs up to the circle pad pro for the 3ds i have yet to even use the extra uh, analog pad but i like i love the way the 3ds feels in my hand with it that i just keep it on all the time anyway regardless of whatever game i'm playing <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah i'm kind of sad that i haven't explored this option more often in terms of just buying some other kind of grip like so anyone who's ever had like a hand cramp playing a portable system do not hesitate to try a grip because I was just kind of like blown away at how good it felt once it was in the the Circle Pad Pro. So it's worth it. I think it. I'm getting an XL. Well, I was going to give a thumbs down to that, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't actually my thumbs. I totally forgot about that. But since you brought it up, yeah, let's give a thumbs down to the to the 3DS XL. I mean, what the hell, man? Why couldn't they just fucking put the the extra analog stick to it. I just don't understand. And now they're talking about how they're going to put another add-on for the extra yeah. analogs. <laughs> That's going to make that the size of the iPad, for God's sakes, man. <laughs> you know, and they're they're already saying, like, the pixelization. And I don't, I, I didn't like the, the, the DSXL because of how horribly pixelated the graphics looked when it was, like, up, interpolated up. And they're already, you know, the developers were already talking about, or the, one of the Nintendo guys already saying, it doesn't look that bad, which isn't a big ringing endorsement to me. You know, like, he says it looks okay, you know, so I'll see. I mean, unless the screen looks gorgeous, I'm not even coming close to touching that thing. I hear the DS games look crappy on it. Yeah. Well, that's not a good thing either, because I still use uh, as as just as I was playing with Pokemon Conquest. Uh, anyway, my other thumbs up. Uh, two, two sort of tribute thumbs up. One, my first tribute thumbs up goes to sort of you guys for Breaking Bad. I started on Breaking Bad now. <laughs> All and, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm on season two, middle of it, pretty hooked. Not quite ready to proclaim it the greatest show ever, but I'm definitely enjoying it. Having You're a good early. Time. Yeah, yeah, I'm still early, I guess, yeah. I marathoned uh, season one in on, on one night and didn't sleep. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a shortened season, like seven episodes. But Yeah. yeah. And uh, my other tribute thumbs up goes to uh, Sherman Helmsley, who passed away recently. Uh, I grew up watching the Jeffersons as a big fan. And, uh, yeah, it was just kind of sad to see him pass away. Yeah, yeah, yeah second on that, man. I watch the Jeffersons all the time. I'm Same. Sure that. Yeah. Did, did you see that article I linked? Uh, I saw the headline. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't oh, know if there's anything more to the article. <laughs> it's it's hysterical. Why don't you read the quote from, from the? <laughs> it's basically an article about how Sherman Helmsley was a, a big fan of prog rock band Gong in the '70s, who had a song I forget it was a Flying Teacups or or something along those lines, and he was like a big star, and he wanted the guy from Gong to come visit him in L.A. And the guy came and he like told them, told reporters about how Sherman Helmsley lived in his house with, he had like Puerto Ricans making LSD in the basement and there was a sign on the inside of the front door that says, don't answer the door, it might be the man. And he had like, he had, like all these crazy people around living in this big house and they played like crazy prog rock all day and, and like hung out and smoked weed and stuff. It was just like... It was like the craziest story, but uh, yeah, we love George Jefferson. What a loss that was. Jesus, that sounds completely fucking insane. Yeah, it's, it's wow. hysterical when you read I never, it. I never would have guessed. Never would have guessed. Yeah, no. no. I find it hilarious <laughs> that just as you just said, the headlines all said, you know, George Jefferson is dead. Not Sherman Holmesley's dead, but George Jefferson. Yeah. Really? yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, do you have any more thumbs up? That's it for them. 
That's it for me. All right. Well, you can download us on iTunes. You can go to GameCritics.com and listen to us there. You can like us on Facebook, Game Critics. Um, for Chi Kong Lu, Brad Galloway, Mike Bracken, and Richard Nyack, I am Dylan Collins. Good night and game on. You did it, Dylan. <laughs>